and says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord, someone say, that's me. Servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. I think I heard someone scrambling some eggs in the back, so they didn't hear this. Let's say this again for verse 24. A servant of the Lord, someone say, that's me. That's me. Must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Oh my goodness. That's strong. You don't need hot sauce with that. That's strong. That's from the word of God. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord. We just sense your presence, Lord. We sense your majesty. And for that, we are in awe. God, I pray that you would just speak through me today. And I pray that you would open up all our hearts, Lord, to hear and just receive something from you. They have not come from me. They have come for you. And God, I pray, God, that they would hear you. So I pray that this word now even just comes to good soil, God. And I thank you for the harvest it's going to produce. God, I pray for anyone right now that's wrestling with the idea of whether you care. They're thinking maybe you've forgotten. I pray that you let them know that you just have not forsaken them and that you are not going to start now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Now, if this is your first time tuning into Destiny Church Online, welcome, welcome, welcome home. Amen in a series title, I think I like people. I think I like people. People and oh my goodness, first before I go anywhere, did y'all hear last week's message, everybody? Last week's message by our pastor. Oh my goodness, I was amening that man so much. It was just exactly what I needed to hear and exactly what we need to hear, talking about race and just the church and where we stand. And I think if you haven't heard it, go on to YouTube and you can give me a quarter and thank me later. It was that good. It was that good. I've just loved the series. Just talking about navigating relationships because sometimes it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a huge struggle. And I just want to let you know, confession hour, I think I was a terrible girlfriend. Megan, I think I was a terrible girlfriend, not to Pastor Steven or anything like that, but I was a terrible girlfriend. I, I didn't date too many people, but when I did date people, there's something that I did that was just, it was just weird. It was just crazy. I don't know why, what was wrong with me, but I would send this text message and I knew that it was probably not the best thing, but I did it anyway. And I tell you, there's nothing more than this four words sending these text messages. These four words, they can elicit so much fear, so much anxiety when you receive it on the other end. What am I talking about? We need to talk, period. When you get that, it's like, talk about what? What, what, what do we need to talk about? And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm shorter and I had like, you know, maybe a power complex. I don't know what it is, but I would send, when there was an issue, I would send this text message. We need to talk and just almost feel them get on the other side, just feel nervous. And I love that feeling. What they didn't know is that we weren't actually gonna talk. What was gonna happen is that we were actually gonna break up because when problems, conflicts start, I don't really talk about it. We're breaking up. And can you know, let me tell you this, I would send this text message and we would break up and then I would ask him, so can I keep the discount? 
You know, because Urban Outfitters, there's two specific people I'm talking about. Work, and they work, one worked at Urban Outfitters and the other one at Nordstrom. And after I broke up with them, they didn't think it was right for me to keep their discount card. Can you believe that? Am I wrong here for asking for a discount card after I break up with someone? Am I wrong, Erica? Someone said, you're trifling. Good for nothing. Hey. <laughs> But what? I just did not like conflict in relationships. As I find, according to many conflict management specialists, most people prefer to avoid conflict than to embrace it. You know, I know there are some of you weird people that actually like it, so you ain't never scared. But for most people, they don't like to even text me need to talk. They don't like to have these difficult conversations. That's why some of you say, I'm not going to be talking to you, Susie. You can talk to my lawyer. Do you know the U.S. has more lawyers per capita than any other country in the world? Do you know we have more lawsuits than any other country in the world? More lawsuits. Why? Because people be crazy, everybody. People, they be crazy. I didn't say people are crazy. I say people be crazy, Corey. Be crazy. You, you agree. Are you crazy? Uh, <laughs> He just said he was a little bit, but can you crazy? But people are crazy. So today we're discussing how to deal, how to talk with difficult people. You know, I was planning on speaking about this um, before our country kind of just blew up with just even more conflict. And just reminds me, you know, man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. God knew that we needed to talk about this, that some of us are just going to be in a lot of conflicts and they're just going to be heightened in this season. And so I know that you're going to get something today. I know that this is going to be exactly what you need to hear. So church, we need to talk. There's a lot going on in this season and we need to talk. Don't get scared. We need to talk though. You know, maybe you're a black person and in this season you just find working just, it's very tense. You know, you have your coworkers, they're just saying a lot. You know, you end up in a Zoom meeting and maybe they're saying a lot, not saying a lot, but you can just feel the awkwardness, feel some of the comments. Maybe you're a white person and you have a lot of questions in your heart right now and you're looking for who you talk to talk to and it seems like no one's really understanding anything. All they want to do is assign blame. Maybe you're, you're Asian or you're Hispanic or you're all the above and you feel a little bit displaced right now. And again, you have questions in your heart and your conversations are not going well either. It's difficult in this season, isn't it? And our relationships, they're fragile and it seems like the current state of our union, be it COVID-19 or the racial injustices that just has, it has more and more difficult people kind of popping up out of nowhere. It's almost like the sixth sense, I see dead people. It's like, I see difficult people. Like they're everywhere, it's like, you too? Like everywhere, everyone is just difficult. But relationships are important. We were created for relationships. God did not intend for us to do life alone. He did not intend for us to do life alone. So whether they're popping, difficult people are popping up in social media or they're popping up in your neighborhood or your jobs, I just want to let you know that we need them. Not that we need them to be difficult, but we need those relationships in our lives. You know, Jesus in John 17, he's talking to the disciples. And he is, um, he's about to go to the cross pretty soon. And it's a prayer. And he ends up praying for unity. I'll pray, I'll say this. In verse 21, it says, I pray that they will all be one, 
just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world would believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they, be, so they may be one as we are one. It's almost as if he knew that in this season, whatever seasons, that we were going to be divided. It's almost as if he knew that troubles were going to come and the body was going to get disconnected. And what he's saying is that he was praying for us. He was in advance praying for us, praying for unity. Why? I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of our relationships are jacked up. I don't think it's a coincidence that even now like a lot of, we're seeing a lot of conflict. I believe that there's an attack on our relationships. The enemy is coming for our unity. It's not a coincidence that all of a sudden that your relationships at your job is tense or your relationships in your community is tense. I believe it's a full-on attack. And God is saying that he has prayed for us. He has prayed for unity for us so that we may be one. You know, if you look at that text, especially it says in verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. What's the glory that God the Father gave to God, God the Son? Think about it. That word glory, it's the Greek word where we get the word doxa from. And it means like a kingly majesty. But think about it, what glory did God the Father give God the Son when he was here on earth? Yes, he was a king, but the glory is one of humility. That glory is one of um, just service. It's one of sacrifice. Jesus knew who he was, but he was still humble. He was still able to sacrifice and able to serve people that he knew that ultimately would betray him. What am I saying? I'm not talking about being in unity with abusive people. That's not what I'm saying. Some of you are like, oh, no, like you don't know my coworker. You don't know this. I'm not talking about being, <laughs> being in relationships with abusive people. But clarity, an abusive person is someone who intends you harm and who inflicts you harm. Someone who is difficult to deal with is someone who is lacking character and godliness. They may not intend to, but they do. They cause a lot of harm. I like to call them the C's and D's of life. The C's and D's of life. We all have these difficult people in our lives. The C's and D's of life. First, we have critical Carol. Let's talk about critical Carol right now. Critical Carol always has something to say. She is just critical. You can do a project. You can work on the project. She gave you the project last minute, mind you. And you work on the project, and she's going to find the one thing that is wrong. This is critical. Just a nitpicker. Just a nit so you have critical Carols in our lives. Then, then we have crying Carries. Oh, my goodness, crying Carries. Do y'all know a crying carry? They cry about everything. They're like the martyr type. They just cry. You start to tell them something difficult, something harsh a little bit. Like you're soft, but you're talking to them, and they just start to cry almost as if, stop talking to me. And you give in so you don't tell them anything because you know you just want to be overwhelmed with all their emotions. Then we have collecting Charlies. We have collecting Charlies, everybody. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Collecting Charlies, they never forget. Their, their, their memory is like an elephant. So they remember everything you say and they use it against you. I remember five months ago, you told me my nose is big and I haven't been able to look at you the same. Five months ago, bro, really? 
But we have them, then we have demanding Donna's. Demanding Donna, another difficult person. I mean, they are just domineering. You can't even have a conversation with them. They're just gonna steamroll over you. Like, so it's like, what's the point of talking to them? They're not gonna listen anyway. And then you have destructive Daniels. Everyone has a destructive Daniel in their family. I think I do. Ha ha ha. I'm not gonna tell you who that is. I think I just tell the name. <laughs> but destructive Daniels. They are like volcanoes. You never know what you're gonna get from them. You just walk around eggshells around them. Why? Because they're just gonna explode. They are gonna explode. So you're walking around tiptoeing around them. Again, you don't know what to expect. The C's and D's in our lives, we all have them. And there are a million more, but I just chose those four because they, I have those people in my life right now. You know, it's so easy to see other people with these characteristics, isn't it? It's so easy for me to point like this, that's them. They're domineering, that's them. Oh my goodness, like that's them. They cry all the time, that's them. It's so easy, but let me ask you a question. Is it possible? I'm not saying it is. Is it possible that we're that difficult person in some of our relationships? Is it possible? Is it possible that we're that person in our relationships? Now some of you are gonna say, no, 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 no. No, it's not possible, okay. Can you give the phone to <laughs> your coworker? Not your, could you give the phone to, to your roommate? Can you, can, you let, can you let your sibling or your, your spouse answer the question? Because the truth is, a lot of us, where are that person? You know, 2 Timothy 2.23 says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. That word foolish is the Greek word for moros, where we get our word moron from. Meaning, there are some conflicts with these people that it just doesn't make any sense to get involved in. These people are missionaries of misery. There are other conflicts, though, that we should get involved. We can't just ignore I remember working at a restaurant a long time ago. This is, I have to say, before I gave my life to Jesus. And I have to say before I gave my life to Jesus because I was a little bit difficult. You know, there was um, this one manager who didn't like me. And matter of fact, I didn't like him either. And he knew that. But I didn't like how he spoke to people. I didn't like how demeaning and just how domineering he was. It just bothered me. And one specific time actually what happened was that I um, came to work. It's a restaurant, mind you. I came to work with a big, massive turban, like Queen Nefertiti-esque. It was huge. It was just big and just obnoxious. And I was going to take it off. But then he had something to say. He said, what's that on your head? And I said, what's that on my head? A turban. He was like, you can't wear that. I'm like, why not? He was like, that looks ridiculous. I'm like, no one asked you. And I'm like, actually, it's because of my religion. He's like, excuse me? And I'm like, I read the handbook, and it said anything because of your religion, any head covering, you can wear it. I mean, we would just go tit for tat, tit for tat, and he didn't like me. I mean, I was not afraid to get in conflicts with him. I mean, I am not scared. I know my stuff, and so we would just get in it. You know, there's some people like that, like, you're just not afraid of conflict. There's some people that you're just going to, they say something, you're going to respond. They say something, you're going to respond. You're not afraid. But I got to tell you, after I gave my life to Jesus, it's like something happened to me. It's like I grew a conscience. It's like I grew, I don't know what was going on, but something happened to me. And like all of a sudden, I just became super aware of other people's emotions. I became super aware of how offensive that I can be. And I just could not deal with conflicts anymore. 
I didn't know how to. It's almost like I knew that they were hurting themselves. I don't know. And so I would ignore it. And I think there's a lot of us like that. We've given our lives to Jesus, and so there are lots of parts in our, lots of conflict in our lives, and we just ignore it because we don't know how to deal with it. We just don't know how to deal with it. But not dealing with the difficult people in our lives, let me tell you, it's stealing the joy and the peace Jesus died for us to have. A lot of these difficult people in our lives, they're violating boundaries. They're violating boundaries in our lives, and we're saying it's okay, it's okay. But internally, we're just increasing with anger and with resentment. That's not how, that's not the abundant life Christ died for you to have. Church, I've struggled with this. I really have. I think that, um, again, I just, when it comes with conflict, when it comes with dealing people, I just didn't know the godly way to do it, and so I didn't deal with it, and so a lot of my relationships were lacking. It's like I'm just being violated back and forth, back and forth with a lot of my relationships, so I get it. I think a lot of us, we like peace and like harmony. I want everything to be happy, but I got to say, we have to embrace this. And within the struggle and with a lot of counseling, help me, Jesus. I have learned some truths, and so using God's truths today, we're going to talk about it. If you're taking notes, write this down. One is consider another perspective. Consider another perspective. Let me say, people be crazy. People be crazy. It's easy to see how they are difficult. Always a factor that we bring to the equation. Trust me, we're going to get to them. But in recent process, I've just felt convicted. Why injustice has been happening for such a long time, but it's just recently now that I'm doing something about it. It's just recently now that we're doing something about it. And I wonder if the past silence or the past neutrality has almost said to our country, it's okay for life to be like this. But moving from color to the conflict that we have in our homes, in our jobs, how do we respond when demanding Donna or critical Carol, when they say something? What do we do? What do we say? 2 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I don't want to belittle the specifics. But I do want to say that in all situations, we must try to please our commanding officer, which is Jesus. In all situations, we must really ask ourselves, like take ownership of the moment, take ownership of what's going on, and say, what would a godly person do in this situation? Just literally ask, what would a godly person do in this situation? Godliness is the God in us. It's the God in us. It's being led by him, being led by his promptings. Godliness is not synonymous with weakness. A lot of us, I know I did. To be godly means to be so meek and to not say anything and to just let everybody run over you. That's not godliness. Godliness is sometimes just literally saying this is wrong. It's speaking up. It's sometimes risking influence. That's what godliness is. It's being led by him. Godliness is saying, hey, I know that I'm flawed. God, I'm just angry though. They are wrong. They are dead wrong. <coughs> Help me, though. That's godliness. You know, Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We, sin we live in a sinful world, everybody. We are born sinners. We are. It's in our nature. You know, Zoe's first word was dada. Can you believe that crap? Sorry, can we say crap online? 
<coughs> excuse me. Zoe's first word was down like, say mama, mama, dada, say mom, dada. I say you little, say, but her second word was mine, 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 mine. I'm like, mine? Who taught you mine? You little rug right Angelica head, like who taught you that? What are you talking about? Mine, 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 mine. I'm like, from young, how do they know sin so well? Sin is simply missing the mark. Another version says sin is just to be mistaken. And all of us have sinned. All of us have somehow been mistaken. Like my husband, when he says, when he calls me from the other side of the house and he says, please help me find the breakfast sausage in the fridge. As if the breakfast sausage in this fridge cannot be found. When he can find the tiniest of balls on the golf course, everybody. If you can find the tiniest golf balls, you can find breakfast sausage in the fridge. You do not have to get me from what I was doing to, okay. Someone says I need to probably go counseling again. I know, I know, I know. But he was sinning. He just didn't want to look for it. That's what happened. He just did not want to look for it. What am I saying? It's in our nature. Missing the mark. Being mistaken is in our nature. You know, I have 20-20 vision. And that I can see another person sin very easily. It's like, it's like a superhero. A superpower. I can really see another person sin. I take it as a compliment and a responsibility. I really do. I can see another person's superpower. So I see my husband sin all the time. Go figure. Not mine, though. I see him. But in all situations, though, there is something that we are doing that might not be right. So consider that. Consider that. You might be upset right now at a parent saying that, you know, I don't know. what. Uh, consider another perspective. My son stole my car. And it, he crashed it. There was no other perspective. He's wrong. Yes, little Johnny is wrong. Johnny, you should not have done that. But you never really established boundaries in his life. When little Johnny was stealing his sister's toy car and crashing it like five years ago, you thought it was funny and you let him do it. So now when he stole your car, I'm just saying there might be a pers consider another perspective. We've all sinned. Second thing is fight the urge to control. Fight the urge to control. If there's a struggle that I have, it is the urge to control. Remember that song? Anybody? I was going to break out in a Janet Jackson sequence. <laughs> but I have wisdom. So when I see someone not walking in it, it bothers me. I have an opinion, a strong opinion. So when I see it ignored, what? It bothers me. But listen. Listen really closely. Love is not controlling, everybody. I think I need to say it again. Someone was pouring cereal just now and it was too much noise so they didn't hear me. Love is not controlling. If, and God so loved us that he said I'm not going to control them. I'm going to give them choice. It says this in Deuteronomy 11 verse 26 to 28. It says, I'm giving you the choice today between God's blessings or God's curse. There will be a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God that I am giving you today, and a curse if you refuse them and worship the other gods of other nations. We have a choice. God doesn't control us. We have a choice. We always have a choice. Did God love the children of Israel when he gave them that choice, when he was speaking through Moses to them? Absolutely. But he couldn't control them. That's slavery. 
and he was just rescuing them from that in, in Egypt. So God doesn't control us. Why do we control others? The difficult people in our lives, are they truly difficult? Or is it that they are showing a little bit of contention to our control over their lives and over the decisions? You know, I'm a hippie at heart. I really am. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, all that really good stuff. But I love my law and I love my order. I do. I love my law and order. I mean, for I know the plans that I have for you, says I. <laughs> plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. I know the plans that I have for you. So when you're talking about love being, not being controlling, this is a real struggle for me. And I think I'm not alone. A lot of us, we have wisdom. A lot of us, we have, we have opinions. A lot of us, we have great experiences. And so we need to fight, though, the urge to control. It's so easy to control. I think a lot of us lean this way in our marriages, too. That spouse, are they truly difficult? Are they truly difficult? Are they showing a little bit of resistance to your dominance? What is it? I'm not in your home. You tell me. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible where God said that you had to marry this person. Don't talk about Adam and Eve. Don't, don't give me that. But there's nowhere in the Bible that God, he gave parameters, but he didn't control them. You know, it tells me when, gosh, when Roman is 22, I'm going to let him pick. I'm praying for her right now. She better, anyway. We all have that urge to control, so how do we fight it? Through prayer. Yes, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray the fleas of a thousand. <laughs> Not the fleas. Yeah, fleas. Infest their beard. I pray fleas infest beard. I pray they lose their keys in Chuck E. Cheese ball pit. I pray that God smites them. I pray they run out of gas and nobody stops to save them and their phone doesn't work. I pray, I pray. No, not those prayers. But pray for them. Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance. Pray that they would, God would send people that they would listen to. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know, if you look at the Psalms, it's so funny because you see either David or the psalmist going through all these emotions. A lot of it just praying through whatever they felt. Psalm 109 being one of my favorite. Go through it. He is praying some crazy things there, but it always ends with, God, I praise you. God, you're in control. So whatever that difficult person is, pray for them. I tell you, when my husband and I, when we started to pray together, I couldn't hate him. It's really tempting sometimes. Am I being a little too honest? But when I started to pray for him, pray with him, all of a sudden I just sensed God's presence in our marriage. I sensed God's presence in his life. All of a sudden I sensed that it's a three-stranded cord. This can't be broken. All of a sudden there was this fresh grace that started that just erupted. I don't know what situation that you're in. I will say you are annoyed and you're ticked out and you're not praying as much as you think that you should, as much as you are, as much as you should. So fight the urge to control by praying for him. The third is have a game plan. Have a game plan. Do y'all remember the 2017 Super Bowl? Do y'all remember? Anybody remember? Atlanta Falcons versus New England Patriots. Do you remember? You don't remember? You don't watch football? 
You don't want, you don't remember. This is someone, sometimes people don't remember. They only uh, remember what happened at halftime. It was Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, she fell from the sky. So if you remember now, anyway, what was happening is that the Falcons, they were leading 21-3 for the majority of the game. They were leading. And then, of course, halftime came. You know, in the third quarter, they trailed. The Pats trailed for as much as 25 points. But again, they went to halftime and they readjusted. They readjusted, and what ended happening? Can I tell you what happened, Calvin? Because I don't know if you watch football. I don't know if you remember. You watch football? You, what happened? They came back to win the game. They made some adjustments. It was the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history. I was a bartender back in the day, so I still like sports, and so that's why I know all this stuff. But what they made a game plan. They made a game plan originally, and it didn't work. So during halftime, they readjusted because what they were seeing was a little bit different. I think a lot of us, our plans for dealing with difficult people is not working. And I think right now is a bit of a halftime. We have to make some readjustments because we are losing epically, everybody. We're losing sleep. We're losing joy. We're losing peace. And that's not what God died on the cross for us to have. And I will say, you know, our relationships, they're fragile. There's a lot going on. People have said some things. They've done some things. Some people are just trifling. People are trifling, Corey. People be crazy, everybody. So I know I'm not just trying to draw a blanket, just make a game plan or anything. People are crazy. We're, we're seeing them online. People are showing their true colors in this season. So it's a lot, but our ways of dealing with them, they're not going to go away anytime soon. Our ways of dealing with them is just not working, so we need to make some adjustments. And I have to say this, it starts with forgiveness. And a lot of our relationships, a lot of the conflict, before we can go to talking with them, we have to first forgive them. You know, Jesus, when he's on the cross, perhaps having the most difficult day known to mankind, I mean, he was about to die with the weight of the world on him. He was looking at the people that were once escaping Hosanna, they're now about to persecute him. When he was on the cross, what was his first words? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So it starts with forgiveness, but that's not it. There's something that we need to do. There's something that we need to do. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it is possible. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, on you, not them. We can't control them. So as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know, John Wooden said, he was a famous basketball coach. And he once said, mistakes come from doing, but so does success. I think we need to do these hard conversations with these difficult people again. So for the last steps, I just want to get very, very practical because I like, I like theory, I like scripture and all that. But I want us to get a lot practical because a lot of us, we have so much dysfunction. We don't know how to fully address the difficult people in our lives. The first is manage your expectation. Manage your expectation and that be realistic. What happened last time you spoke with them? People are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So they don't change. They don't change. I know that's the attribute of God, but so are people. We're made in his image. So what last time when you spoke with them, what happened? 
Be realistic before you go into this conversation. Within that, be hopeful. Some of us, we know people are so difficult and they're just, you know, these demanding Donnas and these destructive Daniels and stuff like that, that we start to curse the conversation before we ever engage in it. But we have the ability to speak words, to speak words of life, not death. A lot of us are cursing these conversations. You know, my husband never, you know, he just never, ever, ever, ever just gives me some flush money so I can get my hair done. He's this, he's so tripe. He's, no. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. And within that, just be flexible. Be flexible. And as the conversation is going, as it's moving, we prophesy in part. So be flexible to hear what they're saying. Be open-minded in that. Second is consider the time. Actually consider the time of the conversation. Don't talk to people when you are mad. You go to that cookout and that one auntie again says, uh-huh. Have you gained weight? No, but you have. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't clap back like that. And then you all of a sudden start a conversation and it just gets really tense and the, you know, the potato salad doesn't taste the same anymore. Don't do that. Consider though the timing of the conversation. You don't be irritated. You don't just jump in conflict like that. You know, it takes 63 days for a new thought to become a habit. So if the person is as difficult as they say, as you say they are, it's going to actually take some time for them to change. So consider time. Third is focus on the bigger picture. Focus on the bigger picture. Why are you having this conversation? What good would that healthier version of them or healthier relationship bring? What good is that? When you remember your why, it's going to give you just, it's going to give you empathy. It really is going to give you empathy, and you're not going to, as they start to lash out, you're not going to be as defensive. So focus on the bigger message. What's at play here? What's at stake here? Fourth is protect your own mental health. Protect your own mental health by first having someone to talk to and to process as you're having this conversation. Because if this is as critical as you say it is, the person's as difficult as you say it is, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard to have, whether it's a connect group person that you're talking to. And second, protect your heart, everybody. Protect your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard, referring to just maintenance and care and support. We have to take ownership of our heart because our mind is connected to it. I got to say, I had a conversation with a loved one a long time ago. And I was, I mean, it threw me for a loop. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you see all that God, you know, died for you to have. And you start looking at different parts of your life and just different relationships. And you're realizing this doesn't look like heaven. This relationship with this spouse doesn't look like heaven. This relationship with the sibling doesn't look like heaven. This relationship with my job, it doesn't look like heaven. And, you know, I started noticing some things. I'm like, God, I know this is not your best, so I think you want to do something about it. So I was hopeful, everybody. I remember going to this person just excited that God was going to, because I was afraid at first, but I knew that God was going to just honor my obedience and he was going to step in and they were going to listen and we were going to share our hearts and it's going to be this super duper love fest, like hug fest at the end. I just thought it was going to be great. I walked into this conversation and let me tell you, it was just verbal diarrhea that took place. They just started to just vomit over me, just started saying all these crazy, really hard and just mean things. Have you had one of those conversations before 
where someone's talking to you and they just start to say this and you this, 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 collecting Charlie, talking about how you've been wrong and how you've done this and this. Parts of it were true, but the venom coming from that, listen to me now, I'm just being real honest, real straight with you. It was so hard for me. I remember leaving that conversation just completely heartbroken. Was the conversation in itself wrong? No, I think it should have happened. But what part did I play? And I should have gone into that conversation guarding my heart. A bit like Tony Starks and, um, you know, Iron Man. Before he goes into battle, you know, he suits up and stuff like that. I think a lot of us need to suit up before we go into conversations with these people. Not necessarily constructing a wall and that we can't hear anything, but almost as if like the hand of God is protecting your heart right here. And it's like a filter so that you can only hear what you need to hear. Because if not, you're not going to engage in these conversations. And the enemy is just going to continue to steal from you. Stealing the joy and stealing the peace that Christ died for you to have. Guard your heart above all else. You know, the text said, if it is possible. Because sometimes it's not possible. We can't fix all people. Well, that's very encouraging, Pastor Zai. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sometimes it's not possible. In the opening text, it says perhaps God can change their heart. Perhaps. It doesn't guarantee it. Again, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes people are just difficult. But we don't give up on people. We give people to God. We don't give up on people. We give people back to God. And listen, as much as they are difficult, we need to understand that we've been that difficult person too. And because God is so good and God is so merciful, he never gave up on us. So let's keep that heavenly perspective as we engage the loved ones in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for never giving up on us. Some of us have been very, very difficult. We've made some serious decisions that have just been bad, Lord. But somehow you've forgiven us all of it. God, I know as I'm preaching now, I know that it's not easy. Some people have some very difficult people in their lives. I pray right now that you'd help them forgive. I pray right now that you give them the energy, God, and the courage to go and engage with those people. God, I thank you for being with us in those conversations. God, praying right now for a second group of people. That's those that, as they're listening, they just feel disconnected from you. They feel as if the actions that they've made have just been too difficult, almost unforgivable. But whether it's through worship, whether it's just through listening, they feel the tugging at their heart, and that's you speaking to them, saying that you want them. I'm praying for someone specifically right now, and you know who you are. You're in the kitchen, you're in the living room, you're just absently listening, but you feel the Lord tugging at you, saying, I want you, I want a relationship with you. He knows you, he knows everything about you, and yet he still loves you. If that's you, wanting a relationship with the Lord, or wanting to recommit or restart your relationship with the Lord, it'll be my honor to pray for you. I'm not going to have you stand up and walk towards a screen or everything like that. No, right where you are. In the comfort of your house, we can just repeat this prayer. And church, out of encouragement, if we can all repeat this prayer, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I ask 
that you come into my life. Lead me and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give a hand clap?